Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources who remind you, you don't mom alone. In this episode, number 242, Bruce and I are getting behind the mic in honor of our 20-year wedding anniversary. I talk about this a lot at, at work as well as you could ever think anything in the past was the best it's ever going to be because people don't necessarily do that explicitly, but they do that implicitly. And they live remembering a prior memory or a prior way things were. And this can in all aspects of life, work, home, friendships, right? And if the time is spent trying to get back to something, a prior moment, you're missing the current moment and future amazing moments. And so I think that's really the kind of view we have to have is always just saying like, let's, and look, it's hard, but if you always have the view that, you know, more and more amazing things could happen and that the best is yet to come, like it opens the door towards appreciation and cherishing and, and the, the relationships and the time and it, just a whole great way. After 20 years of marriage and we're just getting started. In this episode, Bruce plays the role of host and we answer your questions that you left on Instagram and the Insta stories. Uh, if you're not following me over at Don't Mom Alone, I'd love for you to join us there so that you can help with future episodes. I sometimes reach out for questions. So find me over at Don't Mom Alone on Instagram. But in this episode, uh, we're, we're sharing a little bit of how this party got started and just some things we've learned along the way in parenting four boys over 13 years. So before we get into our fun chat, I want to tell you about this month's sponsor, Fab Fit Fun. I was really actually super, super excited when I got their email because I have received one of these boxes in the past and the things that I got in the box, I still use. So what is it? It's Fab Fit fun. It's a seasonal subscription box with full size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. So right now they're selling their spring box and it retails for $49.99, but everything in it, if you added it up, would be a value of over $200. And bonus, if you use the coupon code DMA10, that's one zero, you get $10 off of that first box at fabfitfun.com which is great. I think a super fun Mother's Day gift if you're looking for something. Uh, I've, I've heard the boxes sell out fast. So if you want to go check it out, check it out today at fabfitfun.com and use that code DMA, the number 10, one zero. I can't wait. Mine should be in the mail soon. And so I'm hoping next week I can tell you more about what's in my box. All right, well, let's get to my chat with Bruce. Here we go. Hello, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast, hosted by Bruce McFadden today. And my guest is my lovely wife, Heather McFadden. Welcome Thanks. to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank Great you. to be here. It's, it's good. You've been on the show before, I believe. A couple times. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me tonight. So tonight we are celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary. That's so long. How is that possible? I know. It does seem like it's... Uh, doesn't seem like it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, I think of all the things we've done, all the places we've lived, all the children we've made, all the careers you and I each have had. That's a lot. We've done a lot. So it makes sense. But don't you feel like you're still 20? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> today was an example 
of being reminded that you're not. I'm not. I was playing basketball with some coworkers and I, I dislocated my finger and spent uh, <laughs> the afternoon in the, in the hospital getting a doctor to pull to, it out. To pop it back to in. To pop it back. Oh, my lady. So, you're not 20. I'm not. I'm getting older. Fingers are falling out. But also worth mentioning, it was also your 42nd birthday just very recently in the last couple of weeks. And we got engaged on your 21st birthday. So My golden birthday. Your golden birthday. Because that's March 21st. So, but it was this um, this birthday was a point where Heather had been engaged or married with me for half her life. Half of my life. You're very influential to my life. I've known you more than I haven't known you. That's yeah, because because when uh, we met, you were eighteen. I turned nineteen. Yeah, I think that's right. I was a freshman at Taylor University. You were a senior, and we technically met when I was visiting my ex boyfriend at Wheaton College. Yep, he drove drove you to me. <laughs> if if you're listening. Matt. Thank you, Matt. You drove me to Bruce. No, I, he didn't literally drive me up to Wheaton, but I was visiting with a college friend. I was I was visiting my ex-boyfriend and her brother, who was your roommate. That's right. And that's how we met. That's right. And I wasn't so interested in you at the time. I thought you were nice. Well, I was bald. Right, true. Because you'd done I'd, dreadlocks. I tried dreadlocks. With, uh, like you do. With things from the grocery store. And my scalp got infected. So, yeah, I mean, you basically put a bunch of stuff in your hair. You have curly hair, and it was long, and you put random things in your Denture hair. Denture cream, beeswax not, waterproofing for my boots. If y'all have dreadlocks, I have some friends with dreadlocks. This is not the approved route, the no. way Bruce went, and he has sensitive skin, and you got an infection. And I had to shave my head. And I, I'll you, tell you. You were going to shave it short. Yeah, and then I, the attachment for my clippers fell off in the trash can. I didn't realize it, and I... Did a whole run that was uh, completely bald. But <laughs> so no, the, I mean. So then you're, I mean, y'all picture it. Bald with <laughs> pussy, scabby. Yeah. Wounds. Whatever the infection I had on my forehead, uh, on my forehead, my, the top of my head scabbed over. It was disgusting. And, and fortunately that had healed by the time I met you. So when I met Heather, my hair was just growing back. The scabs had fallen off, but my hair was about, you know, a couple millimeters long. <laughs> and um, what did you have here? Oh, I, I did. <laughs> Shortly after that, I did try the three earrings. Like I was a good kid. You were And I just felt like kid. I had to get all out. You were a great but kid. But I did learn that um, the next time I do dreadlocks, I will definitely do extensions. This is a wise move. Yeah. Start, yeah. go with the extensions. For those then husbands you, out there, just, I know you want to do it. Extensions. Well, I Don't think that was a driver store. for you wanting to start your own business. At one point in our marriage, you were like, if I start my own business, my hair can be whatever it wants to be. That's true. And that's so, true. It was my opportunity. Yeah. So I met you then. You were at Wheaton, not because that's where you went to college. It's kind of confusing. I took a, very... one semester at Wheaton in the middle of college. Middle? Well, sorry, the end. is. It was actually the first semester of my senior year. And ironically, even though Heather and I were both students at Taylor, we actually met at Wheaton. So thank you, Wheaton, Illinois. Wheaton College in Illinois. So then you came back to Taylor for January term and for your second semester and that's where we hung out with my friend Sharon and you and me. And then I was like, I'm starting to like this guy. I think he's really fun. One of my favorite things I liked about you was that when we were with a group of people, you would always, you know, find someone and talk really positively about them in their presence. Oh, you know what I love about 
Bob or whatever. I mean, I'm picking it. Bob's really. pretty amazing. <laughs> and he's sitting right there, and you're you're so free to encourage him and build him up right in front of him, and you're just really fun. You are a fun person, and like the kindest to everyone. It wasn't like you chose to be kind to a certain group of people, like the cool kids. You were literally nice to everybody. And I I was amazed by it. And then um, I asked you out on our first date. Yeah, I was about to graduate and move back to Houston. You already had a job. Already had a job. So um, I was not on the prowl, actually. (laughs) You're not looking. uh, You you dated someone in college for a while. For a while. And and so I wasn't planning on leaving college with uh, attached. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So I had to ask you out. She asked me out. And then um, I drove. To she the Indianapolis drive. Symphony, my parents had tickets. They lived in Indianapolis, and yeah. she it was it was icy. It was was it um, icy? It was icy, and then um, she had a four wheel drive Ford Explorer Sport, <laughs> Sport, which did not have heat. It didn't have heat, and the steering fluid leaked. Yeah, so we had to stop and get gas before we left for Indianapolis. It's like an hour drive. And we're dressed up for the symphony, and she pops the hood and checks the steering fluid, and it was. Honestly, still one of the hottest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Not temperature hot is what you're saying. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it honestly, it was one of the things that kind of triggered me to be like, huh, huh I like this. This, this is interesting. cute. No, I was wearing a black velvet skirt and a matching vest. I think that had a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love vests. <laughs> I love vests. I love vests. Maybe a turtleneck. Because it was the 90s, baby. Yeah, we met in 96. So, well, we met in, in uh, fall of 95. Fall of ninety five, we and this dated. This was spring in ninety six. Yeah, dated spring in ninety six. So that was the that was around Valentine's Day of ninety six, and ended up officially dating March fifth of nineteen ninety six. And we had been dating less than twenty four hours. And I had an intramural basketball game, uh, basketball injury today, <laughs> and it's I didn't make that connection until right now. But um, that is. How I get my so stress out. So I guess out. it doesn't matter that you're 45. Like you were had injuries in your 20s too. I did. Okay. So I maybe did. this is just like a like who you are. It's just who I am. And I had a uh, basically an elbow that hit my head. Not your elbow. Somebody else's. Somebody elbow. else's elbow hit right above my eye, and it uh, exploded. And <laughs> there was, it was like a Monty Python. It was like yeah. a Monty Python scene. I literally had blood everywhere. And um, Heather and I had been dating less than 24 hours, and I ran to the bathroom at the gym and. Grabbed a bunch of towels and I said, hey, can you take me to the hospital? Yeah. I got and, to take him um, to the ER. I had two layers of stitches, a lower layer, inside layer and an external layer. it was layer. like, yeah, um, 16 or 20 stitches. And then I had a game the next night and I played. I put, um, I had this huge bandage and then I put a bandana around it and then I played. You're cray. Yeah. Well, those are all good stories. And the doctor at the ER, he said, how long have you been dating? And we're like, well, what time is it? We didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> how many hours have we been dating? Uh, so- that is uh, how we met, and we ended up dating for three years exactly because our wedding date is March 6th, so we were married exactly three years after we'd started dating, and you were tra- you lived in Houston, and then you I'd took a job in Chicago, to Chicago which, which was, was closer. much closer. Yeah, only three and a half hours away from where Heather was in college. But it was a job that had a lot of travel. Yeah, I was traveling three weeks a month. So um, we just were used to not being in the same town for three years. And we got married. And then uh, we lived in Wheaton. And you traveled three weeks out of the month. 
And then we lived in San Francisco and you only traveled one week out of the month. And then we moved back to Chicago and September 11th happened and you moved to Dallas and we lived apart every week. You came back for the weekend. So I took a job in Dallas after 9-11 and- Because uh, you were starting a hedge fund and 9-11 happened and it just wasn't- Realized it was a bad time to do that. So I, at that time I was still in the hedge fund world. I joined a hedge fund in Dallas and- Heather was still in graduate school at Northwestern. I just started when September 11th happened. Like I hadn't had my first day of classes. And she was getting her master's in speech pathology there. So we realized that, um, yeah, so basically a year and a half, I commuted on our dime every week for a year and a half. I can't believe we paid for it. I know. I took a um, 6 a.m. flight every Monday morning out of O'Hare, which which meant I was like getting up at 3.30, taking the L- you're really supporting me in my getting my master's that I'm not even using right now. So thank you. They were still paying for. <laughs> I do see the licenses on the, the wall. There's, so there technically, it is. it's, yeah, it's yeah. still there. It's real, but you know, I don't really use it. But I appreciate you. But I sacrifice. It was it was really important to me for growing up. I yeah. needed to have that time where you were away and I wasn't relying on you to grow up before we got to the stage of kids and all of that jazz. And during the week, you lived with. I actually lived with Heather's brother. <laughs> with my little brother. It was a good accountability system. Yeah, it was good. We And we had friends in Chicago that I would hang out with. So we got through that time. I moved down here to Dallas and the rest is history. So we had had in the first four years of marriage, I think we went Chicago, San Francisco, Chicago, Dallas. And I think there was a total of five or six different um, apartments and ultimately ended in the house that we still live in. It's been 15 years. In this house. In this house. Someone asked what our wedding song was, and we had to Google it. We did. We knew how to sing it. We couldn't <laughs> remember the name of it. At least neither one of us. We knew the band was Over the Rhine, and you knew the album. And we found it's called Latter Days. Latter Days from the Good Dog, Bad Dog album. If you yes. don't know Over the Rhine, we'll probably put that song in the show notes. You can listen to it. It's a great it. song. It's, it's a beautiful song. song. They're still around, and we've seen them a couple times in Dallas, but um, we're definitely bigger fans of their earlier stuff, their stuff in the early to mid-90s. And we went to their concert when we were dating and that kind of stuff. Um, favorite wedding memories? A lot of dancing. Like we, we definitely had a super high energy. Yes. About 400, 450 people at our wedding-ish. Something like well, that. Well, like 100 people couldn't come because there was a blizzard in Chicago. That's right. It snowed on our wedding day in Indianapolis, which was pretty. I remember leaving the reception and it was snowing. That was really pretty. But we really didn't do the whole mingle and say hi to everybody. If you wanted to talk to us, you had to meet us on the dance floor. We were having so much fun that people still tell us it's one of their favorite weddings they've ever been to. Yeah. And we played some of our favorites. Like one of my classics is um, What's Up, A Four Non Blondes. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Amigos Para Siempre. Amigos Para Siempre by Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> and Never There by Cake. Yeah. Well, and one of my favorite memories of the wedding was your grandfather. He is Bruce the First. So- you are Bruce the Third. I am. We have a Bruce the Fourth. We'll talk about him in a second. But your grandfather turned 95 on our wedding day. So a lot of your aunts and uncles were there. And he was out on the dance floor cutting it up with your sisters and me. And it was awesome. He yeah. was, I know he prayed at our wedding. He prayed in the service. And that was what I was going to say. It was my favorite memory. 20 years. And I loved the song we left. The organ it was amazing. At the church we were in. Oh, yeah. We did. It was um, like up and down and up and down. Can't, 
Oh, not Canon and D. It was this. I don't even know what it's called. We did Canon and D though. With but um, it was this amazing mm-hmm. organ song that went up and down. And uh, up, yeah. yeah. No, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I think was the song my friend sang as he walked down the aisle. Anyway, okay. How long after getting married did we start having kids? So we had always said we wanted to wait about five years because Heather was right out of college and we traveled a lot. I mean, we went internationally. To, internationally. So we went to South Africa, went to Argentina and Brazil, went to Europe, Prague with some friends. That was um, when we had Quaid though. Oh, that's true. Well, yeah. And actually, so so after we, we, we tried to keep that up. And in fact, when we had our oldest Quaid, um, he's Bruce the fourth, but we call him Quaid. Quad and then with an E. Mm -hmm. This is his nickname. Um, We kind of tried to keep the travel going. And his first year, I think we took him to San Francisco for a friend's wedding at three weeks. He basically flew round trip every month of his first year, including an international trip to London and Prague. We have video of him. He walked at like eight months, crazy early, dangerously early, like (laughs) didn't know how to fall well. And he was walking around Prague, this little walking baby. Beautiful. Chipped a tooth one time. Chipped a tooth because he didn't know how to fall. We really, I think it was your idea to wait to have kids because I'd always wanted kids. I had Cabbage Patch kids growing up and a babysitter's club and my master's in zero to three. I just thought, well, yeah, we're married. Let's have kids. And you were like, well, let's just, you know, enjoy. And I'm so thankful we have all that time built into it because having kids is hard. It's really, really hard. And because I have all those memories built in of how so much fun with you, when it gets hard, I remember, oh, yeah, but I really love this guy. Like, we have a lot of fun together. And I love you even more than we did. I did then. Well, thank you. Just pretty much a latter days, but over the Rhine says. It does? Yeah, thank you. What are the the lyrics? Well, I actually can't ask me lyrics, but that's my (laughs) recollection. (laughs) Um, so I'm reading off questions that listeners sent in and that my VA, Sarah Jane helped us organize. Did you always want to have four kids? Yeah. But you remember you didn't. Do you remember what made you want to have four kids? Well, we both had, we both came from families with four kids. But do you remember what movie? Oh, Idiocracy. We might've talked about this in another episode. We're trying not to copy, but it's been so long since we've talked about some of these things. And some of these are just pretty ingrained in who we are, but yeah. Um, Idiocracy, definitely a movie to uh, not for the fan of heart because it's it's uh, I mean, it's going to be not, it's not a Christian movie <laughs> by any stretch. But you saw the impact of choosing to, to go beyond just replacing yourself. The, this whole biblical principle of be fruitful and multiply was beyond just the two of you having two kids. It was the two of you having more than two kids. And so you were like, we're having more than two kids. Yeah, because the punchline is in the movie is people who are intelligent and driven are no longer procreating because they're focused on their career. Whereas people who uh, who may be less sophisticated educated, and educated yeah. are procreating at a faster rate. And so you fast forward 500 years and you know what is the world like? And so- The IQ dropped- it's a ridiculous movie. I mean, Luke Wilson and so Maya Rudolph from Saturday Night Live, um, Dax. Um, oh, is he in it? He's in it too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a ridiculous movie. At the same time, it's it does actually it make you It struck something with you. I remember it, it being like a before and after. And when your sister was your first sister to have a baby and you met him mm. and you were like, oh, this is what it feels like to really 
love another human being that's tiny. Well, yeah. And I, and I tell like, you know, I'm at a business where you have a lot of younger people who are starting to have their first kid. And I think one thing that I, I see a lot and I say too, is, um, you know, a lot of guys don't have any context for having kids. Not necessarily they, they see kids around, but there's not like this internal, like need needs to be met. Yeah. And obviously you're speaking very stereotypically here, but, uh, but I'll say that in general, what I see is most men's paternal instinct doesn't really turn on until the baby is out or like even during the pregnancy. Like, yeah, the, it's the, all hypothetical. It's yeah. all on a TV screen. She's just getting bigger in the stomach, tired, but it's not real. Like even when we did the 4d ultrasound, you were like kind of real, but still so yeah. hard to wrap my brain around the fact that this is a person. But I remember when Quaid first appeared, appeared, I saw him. Um, I remember tearing up and it was just like this, transformational before and after moment. But you're mentioning uh, my um, oldest sister when she had her first, that was, I think the first offspring I had seen that I had a biological connection to really in my adult life at least. And so that was, yeah, I think that was a big moment for me as far as just kind of starting to get excited and like we kind of understand what it means. Yeah. There was a little bit of pressure on us to have a boy because you have three sisters your dad had four sisters. Your grandfather is an only child, basically. I think he had a sibling that passed away. So the line is really straight till it gets to us. And when we had our oldest, Quaid, who's now 13, we were thrilled. We're like, we did it. We had the boy. He's Bruce the fourth. We're done. And uh, then we just kept having boys. So we've the McFadden name is secured. And Heather is at the top of this family tree that's now, you know. The matriarch. Matriarch. So we have Price next. He's 11. He's 11. And then Watts Corbin is nine. And then Knox is seven. And they're crew. Tell you what. Very different. Very It's amazing very how similar different. parenting can spawn such diversity and outcomes. How did we stay connected in those early years when they were all little? It was hard also because I think I had a really stressful job. And you were getting your master's in accounting. Yeah, I started a master's of accounting um, the week Quaid was born. And an accounting on a full-time basis, master's is only a one-year full-time deal, but I couldn't take more than a class at a time. And I was doing that at night and it took me three years. So um, basically we had almost our third kid by the time I was actually done. So yeah. And then you had some, you had a stressful job first. You were at the hedge fund when we first. I was in the hedge fund world still and doing the master's at night. And, and then you had another couple different, you've had a few different jobs since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. So with little kids, I mean, everyone is right. It is physically exhausting. I think our biggest stress at the beginning was we both came from very similar homes on paper, but just having kind of different ideas on how to solve problems or parent and, I remember Quaid had a lot of reflux and I would spend my entire day trying to figure out how to keep him from vomiting. So yeah, that I mean, he wore a bib oh, he all, like all day long because he was just constantly. Yeah. Constantly. So my goal yeah. was to keep as much food in him. And he took medicine and it was really stressful if you gave him the medicine and then he threw up. You're like, oh, now we got to give it to him again. So I took this really seriously and Bruce would come home and then I would micromanage Bruce and I would say, oh, don't do that. That Because I've been spending my day experimenting on what works, what doesn't work. And so then Bruce comes in and I'm 
correcting every little move that you made. And I can only imagine that that would be annoying. But I had to give him perspective that I just quit my job to take on this new job of caring for this baby. And it felt like it wasn't a very important job if he could just swoop in and do it without any coaching or any direction. It would be like me just walking into his office, getting behind his desk and messing with his spreadsheets, but he couldn't tell me what to do. I could just do it. And so it was like devaluing my role when I wasn't given the freedom to give him feedback, but he was feeling micromanaged constantly. So do you remember our solution? I don't remember our solution. (laughs) What what was it? I know something changed, but I don't know what it was. Well, one of our solutions was to give you ownership of certain tasks. Mm. And so you yeah. you took over bedtime for Quaid. And so if he threw up and it caused it, or he was all worked up because you'd worked him all up and you couldn't get him down, it was on you. And I my hands were off. Like if you wanted to take forever and have him screaming, that was on you. Yeah. And that, and that literally meant that you were out of the room. Out you of the room. You weren't if you watching on the help, monitor. If something wasn't working, you wanted help, you could ask for it, but... Yeah, no, that's uh, that is right, and extremely effective. Because if you had been in there, even if you'd be like you do it, and you're in there watching me, or if I know you're watching me from a video camera, I'm sure video cameras, <laughs> monitors, are, monitors, sorry, are only better than they were back. Yeah, they're know, better now. I'm sure. Years ago, but yeah. um, I think that was an important way for me to develop, um, and us to develop together um, on kind of our parenting. Because I mean, no matter what, I mean, we're we're different people. Right. I mean, most people aren't marrying somebody who's identical to them. So there's going to be natural differences in how you parent. And I think that probably goes for every single person that's listening to this. Mm-hmm. And just embracing that early and giving each other space, I think is just it was was critical. And I think we stayed connected by continuing to do the things that we enjoyed together before kids. I think so often people forget to dabble in those. And one thing we really loved to do before kids was have breakfast on Saturdays. Every Saturday we would go to breakfast versus having a date night. That was our regular appointment. Cause we have, we were pretty social back in those days. Like we might have friend things every night on the weekend, but Saturday morning we knew we're always free and we'd go to cafe Brazil around the corner or whatever. And so we would just bring Quaid for his first year, or second year, even with when price came along, we would bring the two of them. And then it got to the point where it was more stressful than fun. So we, we stopped. <laughs> yeah, but, but... But it was like a ritual of our that's family. That's true. And and it's interesting when I hear you say that, it makes me think about Saturday mornings are still an important time, but it's a very different time for us. It, yeah, it's changed. It's if Saturday mornings has always been the best time for us to connect because our brains are clear. You know, the week's behind you. Um, You're not The whole weekend's ahead of, of you. Yeah. You've <laughs> hopefully had, no matter even if you went out the night before... You've had more sleep. And so what used to be breakfast is now just a long walk, just the two of us. But it is interesting how that it's always been that central theme with Saturday morning. Yeah. And I think it's something you kind of have to choose to protect. If yours isn't Saturday morning, if it's some people, it's Sunday night, some people, whatever it is, Friday night, then you have you make other choices. So that reminds me of a tangent. And we probably mentioned this in a prior episode, episode, but um Somebody had told us early on that you either invest in babysitting and go out or you invest in counseling. 
mm-hmm. later if you're not going out together. And I made me think of that in a really broad sense. Like obviously now we can do our walks and our kids can stay here and things like that. But um, just there's lots of excuses to not get one-on-one time. Um, and sometimes it might be just simply you're not connected. Emotionally but, connected. I feel like there were seasons when you're so busy with work that you were not available emotionally, mm-hmm. even as recently as a few years ago. Um, this isn't just the early years of kids or marriage, but it fluctuates in and out of not being emotionally connected because one person or another, even when I'm grieving, I'm not emotionally available. So kind of working with that person with grace to give them the freedom that this is just not the time that they're going to be the most emotionally available. But creating creating a a space, even if it's a small space. It can't be every moment that I need you. But if I knew, well, Saturday mornings, I'll be able to get his attention. It could get me through harder seasons. Yeah. I mean, we would have fun. We did a lot of fun things. We hosted parties for our friends. We have a lot of good friends from church. And I think when it got harder to stay connected is when we had like four kids. Yeah. That's when there's just so many people around. <laughs> so many people. Yeah, there, there's not. There's, there's just there's not, not a lot of bandwidth. A space. There's not. there's not a space, you know, to get away, right? And I'm sure a lot of listeners live that same. Well, but you mentioned get away. I think one, another ritual that we started when we had four kids is to, on a quarterly basis or at least twice a year, get away for a Friday night through a Saturday afternoon. So just one night. Yeah, not even a full 24 hours. Somebody, usually a, 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 grandparent. a one of our parents. Grandparent. I think it was a college student once mm-hmm. that we knew from Pine Cove. Yeah, and we'd go, we'd go out. We'd spend the night at a hotel. We'd sleep in. We would Have hang it. out and come home at lunch. I mean, it was less than 24 hours, but it felt like forever. It was huge. In, in, in a good way, obviously. <laughs> Forever, like, like uh, no. really, really reconnecting. Yeah. And and oftentimes we were, we live close to downtown Dallas. And so oftentimes we were in downtown Dallas. I mean, it was, we we're like yeah, we two are. or three miles away, but it felt like we were in Bucharest. And you make new memories, it's shared experiences. I remember one of the times there was like a Comic Con. Oh <laughs> so gosh. we sat in the lobby of the hotel and just watched people watch, and it was hilarious, but it's a shared experience. So you didn't yes. have those fun experiences together. To get back on the right track. And then uh, a friend got married out in California. So you and I, it was the most stressful season we've ever been in. I was in counseling. You were like getting two hours of sleep every night. And we went out and saw your cousin and went to Laguna Beach. And it was like super life-giving, I think, Yeah. to us. And for our 20th, for the first time since having kids. For our 20th anniversary, so in a few weeks from now. We're going... To, we're going uh, near Cancun. To like a, a one week away. One week away, just uh, just the two of us. That's amazing. I can't even believe it's happening. I, I mean, I don't think we've done, we haven't done a, just a whole week, just the two of us since we've had kids. This so. is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, long time. Yeah. Wait, we went to Costa Rica when I was pregnant with Price. Price so but was that one. a week? I yeah, don't know if about, it was. Yeah, it's anyway. a long time ago, 13 years ago. It's been a long time. Ago. It's been a long time. Um, what does the parenting balance, we talked about how you took over bedtime. So I think we've kind of continued with that theme. And there's certain things that naturally, you know, each of us, as far as just normal things in life, mind less, you know. Or okay, that, what have you taken over that I am terrible at that you just do? Laundry. 
Laundry, Bruce. But I mean, I, I have amazing. I have uh, prescripted, conscripted, excuse me, um, uh, for young boys. But um, you basically run all the loads. I run all the loads. I sort it, and then the boys do the laundry, do their yeah. folding, and put it away. And we all know how long it takes for a single person to do folding, especially you know, even for two or three people, much less six. And um, and Heather, you have your own separate loads for whatever reason you do. Um, <laughs> But, I, do, I do my clothes in a separate load. I'm not going to be with all your dirty boy germs. Yeah. So um, we did we did the dude loads, <laughs> which is usually like three to five, depending on the week. And wow. we sort and the boys fold. Because you know what? I'll tell you, this is also a thing that's empowering for the kids too, because it doesn't matter how perfectly folded their clothes are. It really does not matter. It does create some sort of structure and uh, responsibility on their end. And, and the kids, frankly, it's not, it's just not a big deal. I mean, it takes them you know, 20 minutes, maybe if you're doing mm-hmm. just your own pile, it's your, it's your own clothes. They put them away. Yeah. Well, and I think we live in an era where there aren't a lot of jobs kids do. And so to get a little bit of grit is one tiny thing, but that's a role you've taken over. You're also the manager of after dinner dishes. I don't mind. I don't mind dishes, but you like direct everyone. You're like price, yeah. clear the table, watch sweep under the table, Quaid do the dishwasher. Like, I'm- and then you like, Manage the kitty litter situation, the cats. You manage that. You manage the turtles. Y'all are asking, Heather, what is your role? <laughs> I'm the I'm the limo driver. I drive the kids around everywhere and keep up with homework. You're the heart and soul. I mean, well, it, it's interesting because I know you know you'll feel like you're disconnected from the, your kids and you'll get uh, frustrated or disappointed, and then you'll just sit on the couch and the boys will just start climbing in your lap. Yeah. And that's something that I still don't think you appreciate enough about the impact you have, because I think you you feel the day to day monotonous so much more than I do. But your your boys have a deep connection with you. Well, appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I I do the meals a lot. I do I'm not, the lunches. I'm not so good at that. You make the coffee. Well, the yeah, important job. Like Thirty of... seconds. <laughs> but no, I mean honestly, like I'm the trash. I'm... You do all the trash. I like to get things done. And You're so if an there's achiever. something where I can get it done. Another thing too is thinking about last weekend when we have just certain projects we need to get done. Like if Heather has a certain thing she wants to get done, like I'm an on or off. Like I don't have a middle gear. I've never been able to find that in my life. So last weekend, Heather decided she wanted to do effectively spring cleaning. Well, we had people coming to the house. And um, so, but I think. It worked out because we had a surprise visitor. Mm-hmm. And it was everything was cleaned, and I, I didn't feel stressed. It was great; I could welcome them. This is the good thing. But when you do a job, you're all in, and so it gets messier before it gets better. But I can't. But anyway, it's really good that oftentimes you do it. Heather leaves the house. I have when to I leave. get in that mode. No, I have to leave. It's too stressful. Um, <laughs> so I would say your role as a dad to help me, not mom alone is I think you not only do all those physical things, but when I go into the spiral of, oh, our kids are awful. I think I did it today on the phone. They're like fighting and they're calling each other names. And I just, I'm worried about their character. I think I got a phone call from a kid's teacher today and I get in these bad places. And I think you're the leveler of the emotions. Like you stay above it all and hold perspective that I need because I'm so reactionary to the moment by moment shifts because I feel everything. You feel things deeply and then you communicate those deep feelings. Yeah, I had a moment and I was 
getting worked up with two of the boys today and I, and I didn't respond the way I would typically respond with just matching their emotional, heightened emotional level. Instead, I was thinking, it's Thursday. They're tired. I'm tired. We had a late night last night. They just need to get home. We've been in the car for three hours, picking up kids and taking kids. We just need to get home. They're acting up because of all of these things. And this is not forever. They're just, it's just an emotional state. And it helped me lower it a little bit. So one of the questions that was asked, so so originally this podcast was called the God Center Mom Podcast. Yeah. And I think we talked in a prior episode about kind of your thought process around kind of changing it and why and things like that. But the podcast itself hasn't changed in so far the as content. the depth and the content and the focus on being a God-centered mom. But, you know, I think some of the questions had to do with like, even like our relationship around spiritual things like praying together and spending time in the word and things like that. And um, I think, you know, when you, when you sit down at a table with sex, it's really hard to have sustain any deep conversation beyond a couple seconds, right? Because invariably it takes one of them distracted to do something that distracts the other. And then the dominoes are all, yeah. are all down. And so, you know, I think there's a couple small things that we've done and I, I think we've talked about this before, but, um, you know, we pray every morning before we leave. You and I. Heather and I do. Yeah. And, and it's quick. It's short. And it's, you know, it's just something we kind of do in the natural flow. We kind of do it wherever we're at. And we could be having kids run around us or. We're just we, standing. We're just standing. Kitchen. And there's not like any um, pomp and circumstance. It's, it's just. Um, it's literally like you just start praying. Dear Lord, help Heather with her day and whatever you know I have. Right. And then you're done, and then I pray, and then it's like we're off. You know, we pray before dinner. We pray with the boys before bed. They always want me to pray over them. You know, another thing too is um, the of all four boys go to Christian school here, and one of the re- requirements, frankly, is there's certain Bible passages each day, and it can be it's called, like the Bible reading schedule or something. Yeah, and it's called a, a chapter of the Bible a day, and and they tell you which ones to do, and. It used to be that um, as a part of the, the bedtime routine that I would read that to them. And even before they were in school. Yeah. I mean, if people are talking about having young kids, it was hard for us to do a family devo around the table. Yeah. So when we would look at the Bible was either when I would do like a tea time, which you can look in the show notes or search for tea time, what I would do with the boys and have a little afternoon snack and read the Bible or... It was at bedtime and we would just read a Jesus storybook Bible, whatever toddler Bible, whatever age appropriate little Bible we were had at the time. And then it morphed as they went to school to this required reading. And so now you've switched it up. Well, yeah. And so one thing that I think is probably maybe in the last you know a year or so, um, we've started doing the reading actually in the morning on the way to school on a book on tape. So the, like the uh, app, the version, the version app. And, um, you know, my oldest son who said next to me will fired up and it will be, you know, anything from, you know, two minutes to eight, nine minutes. But what's interesting about it is, and look, you know, you got four kids in the car, you got about a 15-ish minute drive to school. It's not perfect, right? And nothing, as, as nothing in life is. But oftentimes we'll have the most amazing conversations, even if it's just for a few minutes. So we'll talk about implications or stories or, or things, certain things that kind of affected us. And um, it's become like... I think it's so easy to think about, you got to carve all this huge amount of time and get people, you know, get the kids to um, all sit perfectly perfectly and have, you know, 
some some sort of like perfect way of doing it. There is no perfect, right? But we've had some of the most amazing like philosophical conversations and uh, and just foundational conversations around kind of our beliefs. And and I'm always amazed at what the kids come back with when you kind of ask them questions. And so it's not it doesn't turn into a sermon. It just turns more into discussion. Sounds like a very organic yeah time around God's word. And so I think that's good. I think it's really good. And I think you know you've said it in the past, like. This is always evolving. Our marriage is always evolving. What did you say about that? Well, I think, and I see this in all aspects. I, I, I talk about this a lot at, at work as well, as you could never think anything in the past was the best it's ever going to be because people don't necessarily do that explicitly, but they do that implicitly. And they live remembering a prior memory or a prior way things were. And this can, in all aspects of life, work, home, friendships, Right. And, and if the time is spent trying to get back to something, a prior moment, you're missing the current moment and future amazing moments. And so um, I think that's really the kind of view we have to have is always just saying like, let's, and look, it's hard. Look, it's easy to jump on the phone and get distracted on that when you're with the kids. And there's all sorts of just day-to-day hectic stuff. But if you always have the view that, you know, more and more amazing things could happen and that the best is yet to come, like it opens the door towards appreciation and cherishing and, and the, the relationships and the time and it, just a whole great way. Cause I don't think back when our kids were tiny, even what we've experienced this spring would have been in our minds, like taking a family ski trip with a bunch of friends and seeing our boys all enjoy it a lot, or you noticing that they're all loving basketball and you were the only boy in your family. You played basketball with the UPS man. And here you have all these boys wanting to play with you which is like a dream come true that I don't know that you fully grasp that when we were having fun, you know, you used to pull them on a blanket up and down the hallway. There is no way we could fit all of them on a blanket up and down a hallway. Now yeah, it's, it's a different, best. A different phase and it's different. a different best. And even with our marriage, and yeah. our marriage like was great and is hard seasons and good seasons, but yeah, we're, ne- we're never trying to like capture something and rinse and repeat that. Cause that's yeah. just not life. Yeah. Well, it's not allowing God to renew and bring, you know, the fullness that we have available to us if we're stuck and stagnant and just rinse and repeating. That's not very exciting. Okay. What do you got? So I think, I think we should hit this newlywed game. Okay. Sarah Jane created this newlywed game for us. All right. Let's try it. What do you got? All right. So um, the first one is for you to ask me. Okay. It's Bruce's turn to plan a date night. What does he plan? I think. Um, do I answer it? Yeah. What do you I'm guessing what, what I think? Yeah. Um, he's going to pick a restaurant and a movie. Sadly, that's true. I'll, I'll go to open table. <laughs> you'll I'll find you'll out, go to open table. I'll figure out what is available and the time slot. And you'll and probably look at the ratings. I'll, I'll absolutely look at the ratings and I will, um, look for the least kid friendly option, um, within right. the desired price point and, <laughs> and, and preferably something we've never been to. Yeah, you like. You know, we have we do have a lot of new options around us constantly, and so, um, so yeah, that's sadly probably true, and that's assuming we're not with friends. All right, so for me, which one of you is the biggest procrastinator? (laughs) Um, I think it's clearly Heather. You think it's me? It's you. But who was up late last night and up early this morning planning a presentation that they had this morning? It was me. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think we, true. we both have a little bit in it. But that's, I think part true. of that is the fact that we're doing so much. Yeah. We're doing so much. But I, but the last minute is the best minute. <laughs> that is when all the inspiration say, happens. Yeah, what's the cliche? If you, if you wait till the last minute, then it only takes a minute. This is the thing. Yes, that's my new quote. All right. It's what not was, mine. <laughs> what was the last argument you had with each other? Uh, hmm. I can't think of it. I can't think of it either. Not to say we don't have arguments. I, I would say. I would say we don't have a fight about a topic. We have a feeling towards each other. I, like I, we're not really sinking. I, I would. Yeah. And I would say one thing that's changed from, I think, early in our marriage is I think we've learned how to deal with conflict a lot better. Whereas it used to be we would tr- both try to keep peace and we would stuff it, stuff it, and then it'd blow up in some awkward way when you're really tired. And I do think we've gotten a lot better at, we know when each other are frustrated. We know we've learned kind of ways to approach those in a way that have a constructive outcome. Now we do, we do have arguments. I, I just, I'm not really great at remembering things. And I, I feel like there was one not too long ago. I just can't remember what it was about. Which is good. Yeah. I don't want to remember. That's all right. I'd rather we kind of move on. <laughs> um, but you deal with it. Mr. You know, Positivity. Yes, that's true. Bruce, uh, who said I love you first? I have no idea. Do you know? I think you did. I think I we did. were on a dock by my parents' house. Oh, yeah. And you said it first. Mm. And then I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be like, I love you too. That's oh, that's the- right. You didn't say it back. And I was like, oh, wait. What, what just Did I happened? made a mistake here? I made a mistake. She doesn't like me at all. We're just best friends. We're just friends forever. <laughs> I think we did the courting thing that was big. So we went to your parents. We went to my parents that summer and said we were dating with the intention of marriage. Do we have your approval? I think we did that. And you gave me a James Avery ring. The cross James Avery ring that. Yes. It was amazing. I think a third of the state of Texas have. <laughs> Super special. Am I supposed to do one? Okay. What is Bruce's idea of the perfect weekend? Pizza and movie Friday night. Yep. Go to bed pretty early. Sleep in really late. Drink coffee and go on a walk with me. Be with the boys. Maybe do a couple little projects here or there on Saturday. Have a date with me Saturday night. Sunday, it's a... a casual morning until we go to church go to church and then lunch out afternoon home where he finishes up laundry he does some work while the boys play video games <laughs> we might go out it's a, Sunday night can vary but whether we are out with for dinner just hanging around and getting ready for the week uh yeah that is uh rinse repeat every weekend very very true I will add one thing if I really could add my idea of a perfect weekend. Oh, I was okay. I guess. There would be live music in there somewhere too. Would you still be doing laundry? <laughs> I would sacrifice <laughs> laundry for live music. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're going um, to the psychedelic furs in May. So. Psychedelic furs. Come on. I mean, no one listening to this show has heard of the psychedelic yes, furs. Surely they have. Pretty no. in Pink, the movie Pretty in Pink, they did the theme song for that. No one knows what But about. for those that are interested, the psychedelic furs, um, Heartbreak Beat is my favorite song of theirs. And so they have five, six songs that people They're know. coming to Dallas and we're going if you want to join us. May, yes. May 5th. May 5th. Granada and Dallas. All right. <laughs> um, what is Heather's idea of a perfect weekend? Um, it's definitely going to have, um, she is going to feel a little bit of the pull between the desire to knock some things out yet not want to miss anything going on. 
So I want to connect with everyone. Heather wants to connect. And get things done. And get things done. It's the three and the four on the Enneagram fighting it out. Yes. And so what I often am trying to do is give her space and windows. And so I'll take the kids out somewhere and then she'll feel like, wait, I'm missing out. And then she'll join us, which honestly is the right priority. Because I think when you're 80, you'll look back, you'll be like, I'm glad I did that time. And I want every weekend to have some meaning. Like if it's a pretty day, I'm like, we need to be doing something really important. We need to be going to a lake and riding bikes around it. And I don't know. It feels like the rinse and repeat sometimes. I'm like, this is not meaningful enough. It needs to be special. Yeah. So meaningful relationships, meaningful time. Memories. Mm-hmm. Making things, celebrate things. All thoughtful stuff. Yeah. Okay. If Bruce wrote a book about your marriage, what would the title be? Hmm. I know. The Well Lopsided Marriage. Ooh. He I loves like that. that phrase, well lopsided. Yeah. Okay. And what would it be? Oh, that's it. And by the way, the well lopsided just means that there's certain things we do really, really well, and that's the focus, rather than trying to do be everything to everybody. Instead of being balanced. Yes. It is the opposite of trying to be balanced, because that's not a thing. Yep. And anybody who's trying to be balanced is miserable. That is so true. Okay. Um, if Heather wrote a book about your marriage, what would it be? Um I'm trying to write a book about anything. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what am I writing a book of marriage? Um, I have it, no idea. I don't even know what to say. What are you going to come up with? I think that the general theme would be around something deep, like something really meaningful and connected. Intentional. And intentional. And so it would be like, like I don't know if I have a a word. I, I think it, it would probably end up being initially like 10 letters in the name of the title as you're trying to incorporate so much of the depth. That you're what if to we just it. call it Don't Mom Alone? Oh, there you go. That one's easier. Yeah, I like that. We should. We should brand We should buy way. Don't Mom Alone. We should com. get Don't Mom Alone. Com. You have so many websites we own. Yeah, we I'm have just the URL. Don't Dad Alone or no? Uh, don't so. Parent. Don't. I don't know. You can't say Don't Marry Alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's a thing. That's not going to work. Yeah. Um. Well, thanks. Oh, you're in charge. Well, look, I really appreciate it. It's been, <laughs> it's been a real honor. I know the those listeners are really excited to hear that I was able to get you on here tonight. And um, thank you for joining the Don't Mom Alone podcast. You're welcome. And uh, until next time. <laughs> Sounds good. Bye. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, I hope that you had fun alongside us as we chatted about those things. One thing we didn't bring up is beyond our Mexico trip, I'm actually going back to Mexico after Easter with a group of ladies sponsored by the National Immigration Forum and Welcome and We Welcome Refugees. There's a whole bunch of gals going into central Mexico, Oaxaca, to visit with migrants. And I'm hoping that I can be the eyes and ears and just learn from what's going on there and hear stories and share them with you and bring honor to the people who are traveling, honor to the countries that they're traveling from and tell their stories. And I'll tell you, I am passionate to love people well, to see people as Jesus sees people, to welcome strangers and to, our church has been super involved with 
refugees and has a center that we started a few years ago. And one of my friends actually started a company. And I feel like more than ever, we're just looking for businesses and products that align with our values and work toward making the world a better place. And my friend's company, Vickery Trading Company, does just that. It's a social business. It's equipping refugee women for long-term success through vocational training, personal development, and fair wages so that they can settle their family here in America. So in the heart of Dallas, this Vickery Trading Company and their associates, they create these high-quality, ethically made clothes and accessories for women and children. But a couple items for guys too. If you want to check it out, I would love for you to go to vickerytrading.org, look at their girls' clothings and their accessory options. And if you use the code MOM, capital M-O-M, 10, the number one zero, you can get 10% off now through April 21st. And I don't want you to miss out on that. I just love what they're doing. I've met these associates. They are beautiful, beautiful women who are loving their families well and loving our community well and doing the best that they can do to resettle their lives in a new place. And so I think it'd be great if the Don't Mom Alone community could come alongside them, remind them that they're seen and that they have value. And I hope you can be praying for my trip to Mexico. Pray for me to be open to learn and hear and communicate well what I'm seeing and bring it back to y'all. They're actually also filming a documentary of the trip. So they were here in Dallas a few weeks ago and they filmed our family and they interviewed me. And so pray for that process, you know, just that I would honor uh, y'all and honor the stories of the women that I meet. So just wanted to fill you in on that little behind the scenes look of what's going on. If you are a not alone community member, I also want to highlight to you that this month in April, we're focusing in on discipline. I've kind of pulled all the different discipline episodes from the archives, created a confident discipline guide for you. And I've also, I'm going to be hosting Jim and Lynn Jackson this week before I leave for Mexico. We're um, on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're going to be having a chat April 11th, 2019. Uh, make sure that you are checking your email and checking the dashboard for that. And then last month's chat about anger, that is up on the site. So, and if you're interested in becoming a Not Alone community member, go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join and you can see more. All right. Thanks y'all for tuning in. I am going to sign out with a prayer. Y'all have been loving these prayers, so I'm going to keep them going. Lord, I humbly come before you. I want to first of all, thank you. Thank you for your hand on my family. Thank you for guiding Bruce and I through 20 years of marriage. We know um, it is no small thing. And we give you all the glory and the honor. We thank you for surrounding us with truth and people who point us back to you. We thank you for walking us through the hard seasons. We pray for continued wisdom as we grow these men, um, the ups and the downs and the weary days that you would be our strength. I pray for whoever is listening that she or he would know you more and trust you more. I pray for marriages to be emboldened and strengthened, encouraged, filled with hope. I pray that nothing we said would bring a spirit of comparison, envy. We pray that it would instead draw others to lean more on you, that it would point people back to you, that only um, 
we only can function because of the empowering that you give us through your Holy Spirit. Pray that you continue to move us towards good works. I pray for my trip to Mexico that you would soften my heart, that you would open my ears, that you would focus my attention on the people that you want me to see. I pray that I could be a blessing and yet also be blessed and receive that blessing from others. I pray for the group, the trip, the people that are going, that you would unify us in spirit and in one mission and heart, that we could be unified even in our efforts, Lord. I thank you for being able to partner with you, God, in any of this. And for the person listening, that they are taking the time, their precious time in their day to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. I think this episode is long enough. If you are still sticking around, you get a double gold star. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.